Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it allows me to record without having to spend thousands of dollars on equipment that I would probably have difficulty using anyways. So Anchor makes it all possible with a simple app. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Mavs, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mavs. On the Rat Sound Review Network. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It is Lou Mavs. You are tuned in to the Music is Life podcast, available exclusively on the Rat Sound Review Network, also available via syndication, I guess, <laughs> on uh, Anchor FM, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts. And uh, uh, wherever the hell you listen to this show. <laughs> but, you know, I do appreciate you guys listening in. And uh, thank you for supporting Rat Salad Review. Uh, my boys, Wayne and uh, and Greg. Apparently, Uncle Saxon is no longer part of the show, uh, which is a shame. But, you know, wish him all the best. And life goes on. And uh, Uncle Saxon, if you're listening, hope you're doing well, buddy. Wish you all the best. Anyways, uh, recording tonight's episode from the studio Toyota Corolla. It is almost 12.30 on a Sunday into Monday. And I can't do it in the house because, well, baby and uh, wifey are sleeping. And so is the pup. So I'm going to probably be in here for the next half hour just yap, yap, yapping away and thinking about things that uh, come to mind. Uh, let's see what's been going on. Well, uh, my band Hard Drive actually just played a four-hour show Friday night at a place called Treme in Islip. Kind of reminds me of like the old New York City jazz clubs, which is really cool. People were really digging it. You know, a lot of reserved tables. A uh, group of like 15 like people in their early 20s, mid-20s came in. Uh, really digging what we were doing. And uh, this was actually at the beginning of the third set. Uh, they walked in and they said, please play all classic stuff. I said, all we play is classic stuff. You'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, we opened up with uh, Two Tickets to Paradise by Eddie Money. And next thing I know, this, this group of people start dancing and then they got everybody else to start dancing. You know, and it was, it was great. And uh, I was actually wireless that night. So I was plugged in with a wireless unit, meaning I had free reign to uh, run around the venue if I felt like it. And, you know, sometimes I do that. There's definitely a benefit to playing wireless as opposed to playing plugged into your pedal board. Uh, when you're playing wireless, well, if you're a guitar player, you know this, but for the, you know, for, for the laypersons, I'll explain that when you're playing through a wireless unit, um, you're pretty, you pretty much have free reign to walk around and go into the audience and just feel like you're not constrained by having to stay in one place or not walk too far. You know, then again, it, it depends on the frequency of your wireless unit. You know, if you're um, over 100 feet away or I think in my case over 60 feet away, uh, the signal cuts out. <laughs> So you just kind of have to be careful and like secure the room, make sure, you know, like, okay, I'm not going too far from where my amp is, where my setup is. So I'm safe. And, uh, you know, I enjoy it. Uh, some places though, 
uh, doesn't make sense because it's just a waste of AA batteries. So when I feel like it, you know, just plug in and play, I'll just plug in and play. But if I feel like a certain venue requires me to like go around and interact with the audience, I'll do that and go wireless. And, you know, that's one of the beauties of uh, performing is that, you know, my, uh, my first rule is always read the room. If this is a place where people like to interact with the band and like to feel like they're part of something and, you know, they, you know, they want to enjoy it with you, then go wireless, go crazy, go have fun. That's awesome. Um, if it's not, if it's a place where you feel constrained, just stay in your zone, (laughs) just stay in your zone. Don't go anywhere else. Cause, uh, you know, every venue is different depending on how many people they could fit, you know, uh, and most of the places that we play anyways are uh, restaurants and uh, b- b- sports bars and, and, and bars. You know, it's not like a, a a rock club where it's like, you know, a club like Revolution where I think you could fit about 300, maybe 500 people in there if it's sold out. You know, a lot of these places, you really can't fit more than 100. So, you know, no point in going wireless when... You really can't go anywhere where it's already at max capacity of 50 people. Where the hell are you going to go? So, you know, read your room and, you know, always have a wireless unit on hand if you uh, if you can afford it. I recommend Line 6. I think Line 6 makes really good um, wireless units. And I'll be honest with you, um, even though I'm not a huge fan of this guitar player... Um, although I do respect what he's done and what he's contributed, uh, Ingve Malmsteen, uh, was a, uh, uh, someone who swore by the new Line 6 wireless models. He actually uses them. Um, he's probably been using them f- for about the last, uh, 10 years or so, I would say. So he actually said it and I'm like, all right, I'll look it up. And, you know, I originally got the wireless for my base unit when I was in Snakes and Arrows, the Rush tribute band. But uh, then I, uh, I, uh, the band kind of dissolved, and John, the drummer, started it with other band members, which is fine because, you know, like a, at, at the time I didn't feel like playing anymore. I think I, I just hit a, a low point, and I actually didn't perform. I, I actually wasn't a member of a band for about a year and a half, and I only joined Hard Drive out of necessity. At the time, they were known as Shockwave. Um, and I joined them as a bass player. And the reason why I was doing it, well, I don't know if I can disclose the reasons why. Let's just say that it was, at the time, it was a necessity to bring extra cash in. Um, you know, there weren't any problems at home, but there were definitely problems in my uh, career at the time. I was in the television industry. And, you know, they cut our hours and the salaries were just blah and the raises were next to nothing. So I was like, all right, I got, I got to do what I got to do to make some extra loot. So this is before I discovered uh, Uber. So I was playing uh, with Shockwave as a bass player. Um, I don't want to name the guitar player in that band because I don't want to give him any publicity. And I'm not even going to mention what band he's in right now. But I will say this. I think... I think a deaf person would have better tone than this guy. Um, Just by the feel of the vibrations. I mean, when when you're on stage and when you're in a live setup, it's important to be able to mic your amps, you know, mic your instruments and plug them into the PA. Set your volume at... Probably, if you're looking at the volume knob like a clock, I would say you really shouldn't go past uh, 11. And I, I, I don't mean that in the spinal tap sense. I mean, you know, because, you know, you, you, you go from 0 to 10. But if you're looking at the, at the, uh, at the volume knob like a clock, you know, 1, 2, 3, you know, 1 through 12, Uh, You really shouldn't be past, let's say, on the clock, the clock hands are at 11. You know, you really shouldn't be past that. And anything else to be heard in the mix, you just go through your board, 
This guy never mic'd his amp. So I'm at a ba- I'm at a good volume. The keyboard's at a good volume. This dude's cranked up to 10, and it sounds like, you know, uh, the equivalent of a dying moose. And for the record, his playing hasn't gotten any better. I, look, I hate talking smack about people, but um, I'm just going by the experience that I had being the bass player, trying to lock in with my drummer, Steve, a great guy and a really good drummer, you know, like he, he's definitely, he's definitely old school. Is He's old school in his approach and he's not the most technical savvy drummer, but you don't have to be when you're playing rock and roll. You know, like I compare him sort of like a, like a Phil Rudd of ACDC or, um, you know, like what Ringo did or what Charlie Watts did, you know, he keeps a steady backbeat going and, you know, he, he, he holds it down and he does a great job of that. And when you're playing in a rock and roll band, that's what you have to do. You know, you got to have that swing. You got to have that, that presence. And Steve, my drummer holds it down very well. And, you know, I had a blast playing with him when I was the bass player, but you know, it was just, sometimes it was just so hard because, you know, a drum, when a drummer and a bassist lock in together, you know, you have a, a solid rhythm foundation but when you have a guitar player that's tone deaf and, you know, not doing what they're supposed to be doing as a guitar player, you know, not not playing the notes correctly, not playing the solos correctly, you know, just sort of like, you know, playing the notes off of a chord and calling that a guitar solo. You know, I mean, look, B.B. King, uh, he, he rocked the house just playing five notes, but the way he played those five notes was... Nothing short of amazing. And I apologize to everyone in advance. I'm battling a cold right now. So if you hear me sniff or cough, you know, forgive me. Anyway, so yeah, that was what we had to deal with with this guitar player. And, you know, I remember I would come home to Aaron every night. And this is before Anna was born. And I was just like, you know, I don't know how much longer I could keep this up. You know, I mean, like, you know, I played with amazing guitar players. And this guy was by far the worst. So the day that he quit, I was just like, uh, okay, I'm, so he bailed on us, whatever. Um, and then I get a call from Matt, my singer. I'm on vacation at the time. I'm with my wife in Asbury Park, New Jersey. We actually went down to Avon by the Sea. We stayed at uh, her cousin's beach house for about a week. Had a wonderful time. And we're standing in front of the Stone Pony. This is on a Monday night. And I had just done two shows that weekend on, um, what was it, uh, Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, Friday night at Harbor Crab, and it was Saturday at the Montauk Yacht Club. Anyway, so we're standing in front of the um, uh, Stone Pony, and I'm just like, oh man, it's closed, we can't go in. But I, it's so cool to be in front of this building where history has happened. And I was like, you know, like, it's great that this place is still open and, and still has shows and you know, still the club packs up all the time. And I'm like, you know, it'd be great if something, you know, historical happens here in our lifetime. So that's when I get the call from my singer and he says, our guitar player quit. I'm like, oh, crap, we have a gig this weekend. What are we going to do? He said, well, can you play? Will you play? More like you're going to play. I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't picked up a guitar and performed on stage since April of nine of 2009. Mind you, this was July 2017. So this is a little over eight years. And I was like, if you need me to play guitar, I'll play guitar. But who are we going to get to play bass? And Doc Reinhardt of the Grave Jinglers, who's one of my dearest friends, he was actually supposed to fill in for me on bass guitar the following month while I was healing from carpal tunnel surgery. And I sent him the list of songs. And he said, oh, I already know them. So while I'm on vacation, we're planning the set list out. And I'm like, this is not what I wanted to be doing on vacation. But it, you know, it happened. And I ended up becoming the guitar player of Shockwave at the time. And Doc uh, is our bass player, and he's been our bass player since uh, July of 2017. And, you know, it, it, it's been a wonderful ride. But I'll, I'll, here is a bit of advice 
that I'm going to give um, guitar uh, musicians out there right now. And this is what I'm about to say is the reason why we even changed the name from Shockwave to Hard Drive. So we start performing. I'm the new guitarist, and Tom's. I'm sorry, Doc is the uh, dr- is the is the bass player. And we start performing and, you know, we ended up getting a couple of gigs canceled because the old guitar player, the one that I replaced, decided to call up and said the band broke up, stole our Facebook page, stole like a bunch of our stuff and also held out on money of us, Um, you know, money that was paid to them as a as a deposit, Uh, money paid to him for us as a deposit. So this dude walked away with money and we walked away with no shows played. But we were able to bounce back and book some shows on our own and make up for the loss. And And uh, Steve's a wonderful guy. You know, he, he's, a, he's a business owner. He owns a American Muffler in Westbury on Old Country Road. Probably them and Wood Max Gulf, I, w- uh, uh, I would say, are the two best uh, auto mechanics on Long Island. I would say go support them. Wood Max Gulf in Hicksville and... Um, American Muffler and uh, Westbury. Check them both out. Anyway, um, so Steve, you know, took care of us. You know, he, he, you know, he made sure that uh, whatever money we were owed, he took it out of his pocket. I mean, you know, like, uh, this is a guy who's loyal to his bandmates, you know, and like, and he never acts like he's the boss, although he could if he wanted to, uh, only because, you know, he really is the founder of, 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 what became hard drive uh, with Matt and I as the senior members. Um, so anyways, we had all these shows canceled and, you know, we tried to call up. Uh, Matt called up a lot of these venues and said, hey, we, we'd like to come back. And they said, not if you don't change your name. I'm like, what do you mean if we don't change our name? And they actually said that our name is tarnished because of the reputation that our guitar player uh, has established for himself and for us. So he said, look, I don't care if you call yourselves the frilly pink fairies uh, or, you know, the, uh, you know, the mambo jambo slammers or whatever. You know, I don't care what you call yourselves. He asked, uh, he told us, he said, just change your name and I'll have you back here. And, you know, I'm not going to lie for a couple of months. We were like, but we don't really want to change the name. Why should we have to change the name? It's not fair to us that this guy tarnished our name. Let's see if we could fix it. Well, I'll tell you, we couldn't fix it because people knew who we were. Uh, they wouldn't come see us because of the name. So around uh, November, and uh, this was right around the time that Anthony joined us as our as our keyboardist, uh, myself, Matt, and uh, and Steve we're deciding on, okay, well, what are we going to change the name? So, you know, like, here we are wasting time at rehearsal trying to come up with a new band name, and I swear to God, it is not easy to do that. So, have a couple of winners in your pocket. This way you don't kill yourselves trying to figure out a good band name. But, uh, at the time, I think we were going to go with the name Metro, even though the connotation of that, you know, could be misleading. Uh... (laughs) You know, here we are, a Long Island band playing Long Island venues. There's nothing metropolitan about us in uh, New York City. And we're not metrosexuals. I mean, we all, um, you know, a bunch of burly guys with beards and stuff like that, you know. So not going to work out with a name like Metro. So I said, "Ah, all right, we'll come up with it another day. Then all of a sudden, like, Matt and Steve are hanging out and they came up with the name Hard Drive. How they came up with the name, I don't know, but... Uh, the way I look at it, it's a much better name than Metro, and it's a. It's, so far, it's been a much better name than Shockwave. So we rechristened ourselves Hard Drive. We ended up performing at the Lions. I think it was the Lions Den in uh, um, West Islip. You know, small place, but we packed the house, and it was around uh, Christmas time. So Aaron was already pregnant with Anne at the time. And uh, we made uh, money from that gig. They, we got paid in tips. They took care of our food. And and then all of a sudden came a positive upswing from there. And that's not to say that we haven't dealt with some venues that, 
you know, treated us like crap. I mean, there's some venues we won't go back to. Um, I could give you a list of them, but again, I'm not in the business of trying to tarnish names, which is why the guitar player who I replaced shall remain nameless again, because I don't want to give him any kind of publicity. And I don't want to give any kind of publicity either to the venues who were screwed up. But I will say this. If a venue asks you, if you call up a venue and they ask you, how many people can you bring? Just ask them, how many people can you bring? Because if they're going to depend on you to bring the audience, chances are that that venue is not good enough to sustain their own following. But if you can reason with them, if you can negotiate with them, if you could agree on certain things, then chances are you could probably establish a really good relationship with them, which is what I would hope uh, musicians would do. Don't work against the venue, work with the venue. You know, every time I make a Facebook uh, invite for our shows, I always include the venue as the host. So every uh, show that we've done has been successful in that, you know, even if we don't bring like 100 people, we'll bring like 30, 35 people and they'll empty out the bar and, and, the, and the restaurant by the end of it. You know, I, most of it's, I will always say that the quality of the audience is more important than the quantity of the audience. Because what would you rather have? 35 people who are going to come in, order food, order drink, stay until the end, call people to come in and say, hey, check this band out, and then they get their uh, food and drink on? Would you rather that? Or would you rather 100 people who come in for free and buy nothing? As a venue owner, what would you prefer? I would think you would prefer the former rather than the latter, which if you said the former... Ding, ding, ding. You got the right answer. Have a cigar. The shows with Hard Drive get better and better. And even though, you know, there was a couple of uh, missteps along the way with certain venues, um, we still stand strong two years later and we're still together. The same lineup. It's me on guitar it's Matt on vocals, it's Steve on drums, it's Doc on bass, and it's Anthony on keyboards. You know, and uh, not to not to humble brag, not to boast or anything, but I'm very proud of us because we have been through so much. At one point, I thought that I was going to quit because I wasn't sure how to balance, you know, uh, my wife's pregnancy with being in a band. But, you know, the truth is, I really did love the guys and... I didn't want to leave and Aaron saw that I didn't want to leave and the band saw that I didn't want to leave, but the band also realized that they didn't want, they didn't want me to leave. So, you know, here I was, I picked out my replacement and the replacement couldn't cut it. So Matt in jest actually called me up and said, you know, we're actually looking for a guitar player. I'm like, very funny. He said, no, I'm serious. I'm like, really? So, the five guys that started this in December of 2017 are still here. And next month, we're celebrating two years. The same lineup, the same group of friends, the same band. And I couldn't be prouder of that. And, you know, Frank Marino, who's one of my favorite uh, guitar players, uh, said, you know, I don't care if you're a good musician. I just hope that before you play for me that you're a nice guy. And if you're a nice guy, then I'll hear you. My bandmates are all great guys and they're all really good at what they do. And when we play together, I'm very proud of what we accomplish. And again, I don't think that us playing cover tunes diminishes us as musicians or as performers. Um, there are a lot of bands out there who can't even perform their own songs, let alone somebody else's. And I think we are very good at what we do. And I love what we do. I have fun with it. So, you know, here we are. Two years later, we already got 2020 starting to book up. You know, especially in the beginning part of the year where it's probably the hardest to even get people to come down because it's so freaking cold outside um 
but you know, let this be a lesson to musicians. Um, don't ever think that you're more important than your bandmates. You know, especially when it's a partnership, when it's a collective. Um, listen to each other. And if one person falls, help them up. Meaning, if one person isn't getting, you know, what what they're supposed to be doing, don't berate them, don't judge them, don't shame them, help them. You know, because you only become a better musician when you start listening to everybody else around you. All right? And, you know, what I'm saying, hopefully... If, if, if you cohese well enough, actually, I don't even know if that's a proper word. Cohese? Cohese and Cambria? No, just kidding. Anyways, if you blend well enough, you know, if, if, if everyone's listening to each other and they got, you know, something good out of it and you guys get a rise out of it, chances are the audience will and the money will come. And by the way, I don't think there's any shame in leaving a tip jar. <laughs> I don't think there's any shame in leaving a tip jar in front of you. It's not a sign of desperation. You're not begging for money. They're like, hey, if you like what you hear, let us know. And, you know, you're up there three to four hours. You're busting your asses. And, you know, I, th- I it's great that when the venue offers you monetary compensation. But, you know... Sometimes it's also nice to have that extra gas money and you don't have to go into your earnings at night to do it. But, you know, you're not begging for people to tip you. It's just, hey, if you like what you hear, let us know. Nothing wrong with that. Especially if you're in a cover band situation. You know, you're pretty much busking indoors when you're doing that. You know, it's work. It's work when you got to learn other people's songs and play the songs the way people will remember them and play the songs so that people will sing along and dance to it and, you know, they'll want to stick around to the end of your show and keep on buying more drinks and food. It's work, you know? And I tell you, I get the biggest adrenaline rush when I'm on stage, you know? So, like, I'll be hurting the next day. I'll be sore like a bitch the next day. But so what? You know, like, I'm not throwing myself into the audience expecting them to carry me to the back. Besides, I don't think they could lift me anyways. That's neither here nor there. But, you know, if you enjoy what you do and if you listen to what everybody else is doing around you um, and you listen well, you know, listen for the nuances, pay attention, use your ear because that will be your best friend. You know, I'm, I'm Suzuki method all the way. And it's, you know, I think it's a benefit because, you know, when you hear those subtle nuances and you help each other figure it out a little better than how you're already doing it, it makes for a better experience for the audience, you know, because they don't know, they won't know it. Like, you know, they're, they're just listening to, for the song that they enjoy, but they also appreciate it, you know, when you pay attention to those little nuances because it shows that you're paying respect to the song, and you're you're paying respect to the audience, and you're not insulting them, you know? That was the one thing I loved about my Rush tribute band is the fact that when we did the songs, we did them. Yes, we used samples. Yes, I used uh, foot pedals for keyboard parts while I was playing bass guitar. How else are you going to pull it off, though? You know, unless you get a full, like, you know, 60-piece orchestra. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the only thing I could say about that. But regardless, Snakes and Arrows continues on. I'm really happy for them. Wish them all the best. And Hard Drive is still here. And we're not going anywhere. And over my dead body will we go anywhere. We only want to take it further. We love being a Long Island band. We love playing the songs that we do. We love performing for the people. And we love it when we get to interact with the audience and we love it when we get to establish a really good rapport with all the venues. And if you want to know where we're playing next, I would say check out harddriveband.com. From there, you can check out our Facebook, our YouTube, our Instagram, and you can watch our videos online. You could uh, see where we're playing next. 
And yeah, I'm a show for what we do because I like it. And that's all I'm going to say about hard drive. Love to my band members. But it's funny I mentioned the word shill. Anyways, what else has been going on in the uh, mu- in the world of music news uh, that I talked about? Well, uh, I mentioned that I did go see the band Ginger uh, last month at the Gramercy in the city. And they were freaking amazing. Uh, this Ukrainian band, uh, four-piece, with a uh, female vocalist, Tatiana, who is, my God, like, when she sings, she has the voice of an angel. But then when she screams, you know, when she does the uh, death growls or whatever, it's, 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 it, the devil is channeling her, and it's awesome. You know, great performance. And, of course, what was the song that turned me on to Ginger? It was the song Pisces. The live performance that they did at, uh, I think it was Napalm Studios, but I know it's on the uh, YouTube page of their record label, Napalm Records. And, you know, I was floored when I heard it. Which is amazing because, you know, really nothing floors me. I mean, if you look, if you listen, if you look at the bands that I listen to, such as Meshuga or Animals as Leaders or Periphery, bands like that, you know, like, it takes a lot to impress me. Those bands impress me. Ginger... I would put among that same lineup. And uh, it's funny, like I just read an article on Blabbermouth where Tatiana said that the success that they're having right now is a little discomforting for her because she never expected them to get as big as they've gotten. Um, Tati, baby, enjoy it. You You currently are living the luxurious life of what a touring musician, an original recording artist, what most of them wish that they could do. And I praise you for wanting to keep it underground, wanting to keep the tickets cheap for the fans. I think that's wonderful. Don't be afraid of success. And if this is if the success does get too much for you, hey, you've given us so much great material, you and the entire band, that if you wanted to walk away from it, yeah, we'll miss you, but most of us would understand. You know, it takes a bigger person, I think, in music to admit when something's just too much. And if it gets to that point, just move on to the next thing. I would hate to lose a band like Ginger. I think they're amazing. But, you know, you can't make, you can't force people to stop feeling what it is that they feel. You know, a lot of people don't do well with success. I mean, this is why I think Michael Shaker quit UFO in the first place. Because UFO was getting too big and they, you know, were becoming an arena band and he didn't want that. So when he formed Michael Shaker Group, it was the idea of starting over for himself. And, you know, you got to respect that. But uh, I hope, I wish Tati and all of Ginger all the best. I think they're a phenomenal group. I suggest people should check them out. You know, check out Pisces on YouTube, their live performance of it, and let me know what you think. By the way, I have an email address right now, so if you want to correspond with me via email, it's lou.mavs at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at Music is Life Lou Mavs. You can also find me on Instagram, the same, uh, Music is Life Lou Mavs. Um, but getting back into what I was saying about the whole shill thing. So... When I was a kid, living in uh, Astoria, Queens, at my parents' house, you know, I used to love Eddie Trunk. I used to think Eddie Trunk was, like, the best DJ because he was playing my favorite era of music. Sorry, I had to pause there for a sip. Anyways, so he was playing my uh, favorite era of music, uh, which was, like, you know, the 70s, 80s, and 90s hard rock and metal. It is now 20 years after I first heard him on, uh, I think it was Saturday Night Rocks or Friday Night at Rocks. It was one of those two when it was on uh, WNEW 102.7 FM in New York. And I think it's great that Eddie is still held on to that music. But my personal tastes have expanded. 
you know, as a rock fan or as a metal fan. You know, they've expanded. I think it's important to discover new music that's out there and not just stay, you know, fixated on what it is that you're comfortable with. I don't think it's a bad thing to go outside your comfort zone. I think it's a good thing. But anyway, um, you know, I listened to his show recently and, you know, he's really fixated on still promoting the bands out there that have been around for 30 years. And it pains me that you'll never hear a band like Periphery on his radio show, which is, which I think is a shame considering I think Jake Bowen is actually John Petrucci of Dream Theater's nephew. But Eddie will play Dream Theater. And to me, Periphery, in my opinion, is nothing more than a better modern version of what Dream Theater started doing, which was progressive metal. You know, I think their sound is very accessible and it's good. I, I Actually, I think it's better than good. I think it's phenomenal. Periphery 2, this time it's personal, is one of my top 10 favorite albums. And I'm 39 and this album came out in 2012, 2004, 2012. Anyway, but you know, he won't give music like that at the time of day, you know, he'll promote the hell out of what Yngwie Malmsteen is doing. But what about a band like Animals as Leaders? Tosin Abasi went on tour with uh, Steve Vai and Yngwie Malmsteen. The guy's one of the best, one of the best guitar players that's come out in the past 15 years. And he will give them airplay. I don't expect him to give bands like After the Burial or Whitechapel airplay because they kind of teeter on the brink of death metal hardcore type stuff. But you know, that's okay. I'm not expecting him to play those. But at the same time, though, he'll also play, um, you know, Slayer. And I love Slayer. But really, I, 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 I can, I, I can appreciate what the, the precedent that Slayer has set out. But, you know, why not also give the time of day to bands that have risen in the wake of what Slayer set forth? You know, like, why aren't you playing them? You know, and, and if, if you're fixated, if your radio show and your career is built and fixated on nothing more than a time capsule... I personally do not understand how anybody could take you seriously. You know, Fingers Metal Shop played, uh, you know, that, that was a show that's on WBAB. He played metal from all eras, metal and hard rock. I met Fingers. Fingers was very accessible and a very nice guy. I met him when I did a show in Patchogue with Randy Jackson, a zebra and completely unchained. I was I went outside, I went to go smoke a cigarette, and I'm meeting and, and all of a sudden I'm talking to Fingers and he's talking to uh Randy Jackson a zebra. He said, You did a wonderful job. Randy Jackson told me I did I did a wonderful job. And I was so grateful for that because I grew up a huge fan of the band Zebra. Yes, this is Randy Jackson a zebra, not Randy Jackson of American Idol or Journey. Which, by the way, he was never a member of Journey. Let's just get that right. He was a touring member, not an official member. Anyway, um, and he was talking with Fingers. And Fingers was like, you were the bass player? I'm like, yeah. He said, you were awesome. You know, like, Fingers gave me a compliment before I told him how awesome I thought his radio show was. You know, that's that that was really cool. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And I thank him for that. You know, but he, Fingers at least still contributes to the metal and hard rock that's still out there today. But Eddie Trunk did doesn't and still doesn't. And if there's one thing I cannot stand about him is how he shills 
He's a freaking shill for Sammy Hagar the Horrible. Now, I know in the episode that I did my top 15 least Van Hagar songs, I didn't go out of my way to insult Sammy personally. But now I'm getting to the point where I'm getting really pissed off with Sammy in the media. Because all he ever talks about is Van Halen. Shut up. That's enough. Look, you quit Van Halen. Not once, but twice. Okay? It's obvious to me, Eddie Van Halen wants nothing to do with you. Ever. He's never going to play those songs with you or anyone else ever again. He's done. They re-released the first six albums, you know, digitally mastered for iTunes. And he's not touching your records. Wants nothing to do with them. But you will still continue to talk about Van Halen like it's the greatest thing that ever was. Sammy, baby, it's not. Van Halen's music with Roth had balls. Yours is a neutered chihuahua. Okay? Van Halen with David Lee Roth had bite. Yours I equated to a BJ from a granny without any teeth in her mouth. It's gummy. Alright? You did pop rock with Van Halen, not hard rock. Van Halen's music with Dave is the soundtrack for the summer. Yours is the soundtrack for Muzak in the elevator of a hospice center, okay? It's two completely different bands, Two completely different forms of music. One is far superior to the other. Move the hell on. Keep playing the songs with your band. With your current band. And just leave Van Halen well enough alone. There's never going to be a reunion. There's no one. and, and, And the thing that sickens me is that he still continues to say that his era of Van Halen was just as popular, if not more popular, than the original lineup. Which is a complete, utter lie. And I'll tell you why. Yes, it's true that Van Halen, with Sammy, all their albums went number one. But every album in sequence, diminishing returns. Six million to four million to four million to three million to two million. Meanwhile, if you bookend the original lineup, Van Halen 1 and 1984, both albums are diamond, meaning both albums sold over 10 million records. And if you took Sales from those two albums alone, it's more than the entire catalog that you did with Van Halen. So enough. Enough feeding your ego. Enough saying you were a headliner all across, you know, uh, the United States in the 70s and early 80s, which which is a complete freaking lie because... You opened up for Kiss at Madison Square Garden and you were booed off the stage. The only place where you were ever a headliner was St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis. And I'm not going to meet you in St. Louis, Louis. Anyway, uh, stop feeding the, uh, the, 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 
stop feeding your fans and the people out there a bunch of lies, okay? Van Halen didn't succeed more because of you. You came in on a wave of success that they had. There was still a demand for Van Halen when, you know, after 1984 came out. It just so happened that you were the singer, okay? But if you take into account the amount of shows performed with Roth as opposed to you, you're blown out of the water, okay? And Van Halen with David Lee Roth did more international touring than just the United States. So, enough, Sammy. Go gentle into the good night. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to us. Just go away and stop talking about Van Halen. Because, really, there's no comparison. But, back to what I was saying about Eddie Trunk, a shill for Sammy. And, you know, Eddie, I get it. You've been in this industry for 30 plus years. You signed Ace Frehley to Megaforce. You've done a lot of good things. But what have you done for us lately except playing us the same rock music from the 70s, 80s, and some of the stuff from the 90s? What have you done for us? You know, and wake up, you know, get, get up with the times. You know, it's it's funny because I remember on his last season of that metal show, he had Andy Biersack of the, of the Black Veil Brides. No disrespect meant to Andy Biersack or the Black Veil Brides. I don't know anyone who listens to them. <laughs> Personally, I don't know anyone who listens. All right, maybe my 20-year-old niece listens, listens to them. But, but, but that's about it, you know? I think it would have benefited him more if he had had one of the bands from like Sumerian Records. Uh, you know, like it would it would have been great if he had had, you know, member mem- he if he had had Tosin Nabasi as a special guitar player for an episode of that metal show, he would have blown the audience away. I promise you. You know, and I, I, it's funny because you know he's. I'm not saying that he, he's not well-versed on his knowledge of music, but it seems like with him, there's a cutoff point, almost like a learning curve, where it's like, once you go past a certain era, he's completely oblivious to it, and I think he almost renders it irrelevant, which I think is wrong. You know, if you're the wise sage of hard rock and heavy metal which is kind of the impression that you put off. Not saying that's what you say about yourself, but that's the impression that you put off. Then live up to that. Give us new bands to enjoy on the radio during your show. Give these guys the time of day. Otherwise, forget you, man. I mean, like, when I was a college radio DJ... Yes, I I admit that I did play a lot of classic material. But I also know for a fact that I was one of the few New York DJs to break Shadows Fall and kill and kill switch engage and all that remains to the college radio market. You know, and I was happy I got to do that. And I thought it was important that I I knew of the newer bands that were coming out because, you know, the legacy bands, God bless them all, but there's going to come to a point where they're either going to want to retire or they're going to want to tour less. So who are you going to get to replace them in the arena size type venues or the larger theaters or the larger clubs? You know, I love Judas Priest. I can't depend on Judas Priest to tour forever, you know? Um, so you're going to need newer bands to 
to fill that void. And I'm not saying that they have to sound like priests. Avenged Sevenfold sounds nothing like priests. But I think they're a great band and they should be headlining arenas around the country, around the world. You know, but radio barely gives them the time of day. Although I think I did hear Hail to the King on 94.3 recently, which that's great, but you know, it it would just be it would just be wonderful to to to, to hear harder edged bands and hear them get promoted on radio or television or whatever. But you know, I guess you also kind of got to take it to the to account that radio itself is a dying medium. Um, you know, a lot of radio stations now belong to the whole iHeartRadio app, and you can stream them online through an app, which I think is ridiculous, because it's, well, is it ridiculous? I mean, you get access to different radio stations around the country through the iHeartRadio app, so I guess it isn't, but, you know, again, an app like that was built out of necessity so that these radio stations still get listeners. Meanwhile, a lot of listeners jump ship from terrestrial radio to satellite radio once Howard Stern made that jump in 2006. And I know a lot of people with satellite radio, and they love it and swear by it. Me, personally, I have Apple Music and Spotify, so that's how I get my music. But I will still continue to support bands that I like by buying their their album. Most of the time, I'll buy a physical copy and I'll buy the digital copy. This way I have it, and this way they, you know, they know that they sold an album and they get and they get their money for it directly. So what was the point I was getting at? Oh yeah, it was about uh, uh radio. So so you know, it's 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 a medium that doesn't hold the weight that it used to have. And, you know, it's it's a shame that a lot of people wish that they could follow the template of what people in the past have done, um, you know, done for their careers, whether it was uh, get a record deal, you know, get an, uh, an opening slot on an, on an arena tour. But we're living in a completely different climate now of music where it's like, you know, a lot of legacy bands won't take younger bands on tour then they'll take a different legacy act so they could sell out the place and say that oh we're co-headlining meanwhile you get about a minute 15 of each band and what are they going to play for you just their hits me i love listening to album cuts i was bummed i didn't go to the last priest tour when it came to the paramount and huntington because they played all my favorite album cuts oh well C'est la vie. It is what it is. But that's... There's no easy answer for, you know, who the next arena rock band will be. Especially since the climate of the music industry and the templates for, you know, how bands make their money has changed drastically. Maybe the idea of even playing arenas, maybe it's obsolete. Maybe it's dead. Maybe the musicians who change the wave are people who are just going to record in their basement, put their material out, work a full-time job and play on the weekends. And if you want their music, you buy it directly from them. Maybe Frank Marino's right. Maybe this will be the death toll of the music industry as we know it for good. And instead of having to listen to the radio or subscribe to a record label uh, email uh, subscription uh, thing... Maybe it's just you go out, you find something that you want to listen to, uh, you discover something new, and you support the artist directly. Because that's the rate that it's going. And I don't think that's a bad thing. 
I really don't think that that is a bad thing. Um, it definitely beats the record label telling the artists what they want them to write and release. And meanwhile, they release a subpar album of 13 tracks where maybe you have one or two good songs. But you're not spending $15.99 on the CD or on the MP3s anymore. You know, maybe buying it direct from the artist will be the way to go. And like I said, if you put out good material, and if you promote it, if you tell people about it, and if they like it enough where where they buy it, and then it snowballs, that's good for the musician. And that's what I would want for the musician. So I think I just answered my own question. You know, like, maybe there's... Maybe the idea of the modern arena rock band is over. And if you want to get your music, you can go directly to the artist. And if you want to go see him perform, they'll perform at their local venue and you can stop by and go say hi to them. And uh, see them and maybe buy some merch from them directly. You know, maybe that's what's going to be the new business template for musicians outside of the music industry. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. And hopefully I get to see that in my lifetime. So I'll know I, I would be I would have been right. And, you know, hopefully that will be the way of the future for musicians. And if it is good on you, like I said, you really don't need a record label anymore. You can distribute it yourself. Cut out the middleman. So, yeah. I'll leave it on a high note with that. Uh, what else did I uh, read about? Oh, yeah. So Wasp is going on a world tour. You know what the ironic thing is? Can't call it a world tour if you're not touring the United States. <laughs> and they are definitely not touring the United States. It's like Europe only at this rate. Uh, Europe, Asia, and possibly South America. But no no Canadian or American dates. So what are you doing, Blackie? You're lying to the audience. It's not a world tour. Call it a European tour. Call it a tour of Asia. Call it a South American tour. But don't call it a world tour. Because you're not touring the world. Kiss's End of the Road Tour is a world tour because they're hitting every country and every continent. <sighs> but I digress. Anyway, so that wraps it up for this week's show. So I just want to give a quick shout out once again to uh, Wayne and Greg and uh, now Nate of the Ratsaw Review Network. Welcome aboard, Nate. And you know, give them a listen. They got new podcast uh, episodes out regarding uh, Michael Denner and uh, Timo Toki, formerly of uh, Stradivarius, now has his own podcast on the uh, Ratsal Review Network. So check that out. Also, big shout out to uh, J. Cam Morris of Yakuza Kick Radio. Uh, screw what people say about your 49ers. <laughs> I know you don't care, but... Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people are talking smack about them because they're actually doing very well. And, you know, let them. Screw them. I just hope they don't get Kaepernick back in. Uh, I, I just read that Kaepernick just came to a, a tryout wearing a t-shirt that said slave on it. And I'm just like, oh, God, you're digging your own grave. But I'm not here to discuss football or politics. Moving right along. So yeah, uh, Ratsaw Review, Yakuza Kick. Uh, big shout out to Shaheen over at Wrestling Overdose. Uh, shout out to uh, Dave and Dave of uh, Dave and Dave Unchained, a Van Halen podcast. Big shout out to uh, Ralph over at Vieira Vault and Rock and Metal Combat podcast with Ian Wadley. Also big shout out to Decibel Geek podcast, Chris and Aaron. Aaron. Sorry, cold is making it sound weird for me. Uh, 
And, uh, oh, yes, and Talking Maiden. Talking Maiden. Uh, Josh and Nesbitt. Great, great show. So, anyways, that's my shout-outs. That's my episode for the week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the next one. Laters.